important thing that anyone can possibly know right now is that I'm calm and I'm not angry about the last hour that I spent trying to get this thing off the ground. I I don't remember how to use GarageBand. It's been a long time. I don't care for it in general. I don't I don't like working with audio. I'm I'm happy to show up and talk into the microphone or to be on Skype and somebody else handles that. But for me personally, it's not good. I don't like it. I was uh, trying to put together a, a any sort of little, you know, audio intro for this and I couldn't figure out how to adjust the volume of an individual track um at which at one point had me punch my desk. Uh, but Brendan finally answered my text and as it turns out the answer was when the track is highlighted to press the letter A and that will allow you to uh, fade the volume out. Uh, which I have done. Um, I really would have preferred to have done it an hour ago, but it's on me on account of not remembering or not doing this often enough that I would remember. I've been podcasting in some shape or form since 2009, I think is the first time I ever... Uh, got any sort of uh, recording software and sat and recorded something like this. I can't. Um, I think my my the first ever show that I did was recorded on my own, sitting on my bedroom floor in Jacksonville, Florida. And I don't know what was said in that, and I can't imagine it was any good, and I'm probably unhappy with it. And a lot of things that a lot of people have done never need to see the light of day or never need to be rediscovered. And I can say with some confidence that that was one of them. And I'm glad that I stopped paying for the hosting on whatever that was because it it can't be good. What were you talking about when you were living uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, when you were 21 years old? Was it anything of interest? Probably not. In any case, this is a soccer supplement. This is where, uh, without uh, the judgmental eye of Brendan, who, of course, as uh, mentioned, has been um, by court order banished to a rehab facility in the Jersey Shore um, because he said the words, uh, and I quote here, absolutely pulverizing my shit inside the 23rd Street Sophie's Cuban cuisine. Uh, He said that to a child. And uh, the, the judge has made it clear to him that he's to spend two weeks uh, in in a, a government-regulated facility uh, where he's to have no contact with others. So I'm on my own here while Brendan learns a valuable lesson about the power of his words. And here to talk about Bundesliga, among other things. Uh, everybody wants to talk about Bundesliga, um, and, and why not? Everyone could have been talking about the Korean League, but people seem to be a little less interested in that for purely non-racist reasons, I'm sure. But nobody wants to talk about the K-League. Everyone wants to talk about Bundesliga. 
I would have talked about K-League, of course, but it doesn't work with my uh, newfound sleep schedule. I wake up in the uh, very early mornings now. Uh, I'm out of bed by 8 most days, so it's, um, you know, it's not really... I can't uh, can't be up at 1 a.m. or or, or, or 5 a.m. To, to see any of these things. Also, I'm still working. I'm an essential employee, as you know, in a liquor store. So... In any case, I have done some writing about uh, Borussia Dortmund and my uh, enjoyment, uh, life lifelong fan of Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund, the uh, the hipster club of choice for years and years. Now, the, I don't know. I don't think it's entirely fair. The Dortmund are uh, called the hipster club. It it. I, I think because of the fact that they um, win somewhat sparingly, um, I mean, that they haven't won a league title for several years now. Uh, the one that they got, um, I mean, Bayern immediately won again. They finished twice, I think, like five times since. But what I really like about Dortmund is that they develop young talent very well. And it's they, they are tactically interesting. They're very flexible. You know, uh, I mean, as with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, they play the uh, more attacking, pressing style that is uh, so in vogue these days, except for, like, Atletico Madrid. But the, the you know, what, what what's so great about them is I think the stories of a lot of their players, and I wrote about this the other day, which you, which is probably more eloquent than the way that I will uh, try to say it all now. But um, there's a lot of very good storylines within that team uh, with their players. Um, Gio Reyna, who we will uh, touch on more uh, as the the best American prospect going. Um, but then there is also uh, players like Marco Royce, uh, who is the captain now, who has spent, um, who should have been a World Cup winner in 2014, but due to injury missed out on the entire thing. Um, and perhaps a healthy Marco Royce helps Dortmund win the league uh, uh, one or two more times in the last eight years. Uh, he is now four points away uh, from managing to get Dortmund back to that mountaintop and making it all happen. There is um, Mario Goetze and Mats Hummels who have returned to the fold after years away, after the years they spent away, you know, sort of realizing uh, grass is not always greener. Um, they, you know, both had their success at Bayern. Um, but I also really enjoy about Dortmund that it is that that you are not permanently uh, uh, cast out if uh, if you leave if you there's something that um, I don't know enough about um, uh, about Christianity but I think you could probably write a kind of interesting I think someone with a lot more Bible knowledge than me could write a pretty good piece of, with the parallels between going to Bayern and coming back to Dortmund and what that means about uh, um, uh, uh, forgiveness and, and grace and things like that, which is not to say that Bayern are Satan necessarily. 
Um, they're, they're just better than Dortmund. Uh, with you know, and that's just what it is. If they have the most uh, financial might, and maybe they are Satan, but it in the world, it they don't really feel like it in the world of PSG and Real Madrid and and Manchester City. Um, Bayern just feel like a very well run club with you know pretty deep pockets, but. Uh, as as evil clubs go, they don't really seem like the one. Dortmund also seem to have the ability to uh, nurture and uh, sort of grow English and American talent in the way that neither of those two countries can do on their own. Uh, in the the form of uh, Kristen Pulisic and Jaden Sancho. Now, I think I end up pronouncing Pulisic's name differently every time. I think he prefers Pulisic, which seems wrong. It's not my name, so it's not really my place to say, but I don't care for it. It, um, You would think the with the way that you'd pronounce so many other names, you know, Stankovic, uh, 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 Modric, Rakitic, um, that would have the CH sound at the end, but he seems to want to pronounce it with a CK, probably because he's from uh, Pennsylvania. And I don't know, maybe uh, maybe they, the proper pronunciation was uh, taken away from his family at Ellis Island, as they were, uh, uh, as they so often did. And they didn't fix that in Dortmund, and that's something that we'll we'll just have to live with. But. Uh, the Dortmund is very good at uh, at refining all those sort of talents, and uh, in in the case of Jaden Sancho, if you're not seeing much of Dortmund on a week to week basis, um, the way that people talk about him is that uh, is that he's this exciting prospect, and he's not. He is the finished article. Jaden Sancho at 20 years old. In uh, 25 league appearances this season, has 14 goals and 15 assists. And that's in the Bundesliga. It's not in some developmental league. You know, he's not doing that at UNC or at any sort of college. And, you know, UNC, good soccer program or whatever. But point stands that... He's doing it at the very top level. He's doing it for the second best team in Germany. He's got 14 goals and 15 assists and 25 league appearances. And it, number one, vindicates his decision to have left Manchester City when he did to go get game time somewhere else. And also, if you're someone like Phil Foden and you're being touted, uh, touted as one of these, uh, uh, one of the best English prospects and, and someone who has uh, the you know the, the world at their feet but you're still sitting behind every other you know 80 to 100 million dollar attacking player that city buys you i i feel like you look at sancho and wonder if you blew it in a way I, obviously uh, phil foden is only 19 himself uh he hasn't blown anything yet he's he's still got plenty of time but, I mean, he has three uh, Premier League starts this season. 11 appearances uh, from the bench. But 355 minutes he's played 
in the Premier League this year. Uh, Jaden Sancho has played... Oh, I'm sorry. I got his uh, number of appearances wrong. I said it was in 25 appearances. It's 23 that he has 14 goals and 15 assists. So, 84.4% passing percentage, which for an attacking player is pretty good. Six-time who scored man of the match in in those as well. Average rating 7.9. So, I don't know. You look at that and you wonder why you'd want to go to Manchester United, you know? He seems to be enjoying himself. He seems like he's playing extraordinarily well in Dortmund. And I'm sh- if if he went to United, something stupid would happen. They would They would find a way to ruin him. And that's probably true of him going to a lot of English clubs. Christian Pohl is a, you know, look at uh, his time. Uh, he's been injured, admittedly. Um, but his his time at Chelsea has not been as uh, fruitful as his time at Dortmund. And you can say that it's a step up in, in quality, but uh, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, it, it is... Is the Premier League that much more difficult to succeed in than the Bundesliga? Is, say, I don't know, whoever is sixth in the table? uh, I mean, I guess. But, well, I don't know. Uh, On on paper or just on reputation, you'd say so. But, I mean, like, Arsenal are ninth right now. So, uh, are Arsenal head and shoulders better than the ninth best team in Germany, whoever they may be. Let's let's look it up. Let's see. Uh, Bundesliga table. I mean, for my own purposes, I'd, I'd love to think so. Ninth best team in uh, Germany currently are Hoffenheim. Um, I like to believe that if Arsenal played Hoffenheim ten times, that they would win nine of them. But I... I, I can't say that with, with too much certainty right now. As with uh, so many Arsenal things, you're always just uh, hoping hoping for the best, hoping it all turns around. So, uh, yeah, Phil Foden in the Premier League this year. Three starts, 11 times he's uh, appeared from the bench, one assist, compared to Jadon Sancho's uh, uh, 23 appearances, 21 starts. 14 goals, 15 assists. And maybe it happens for Foden. I don't know. But um, but I doubt it, considering the, the, the there's no patience to develop young talent at City. There's no reason for them to do it. But in any case, maybe, maybe you uh, want a Bundesliga team and maybe you don't want it to be Dortmund. Maybe you don't want to to be the second most successful. The the easy choice in, in the end. No one's going to choose Bayern. Uh, some people might. Some people who have no knowledge of the history of the league or whatever. Or maybe some people just want to back a winner. And you know what? In these difficult times, if you want something to feel good about, you could do a lot worse than becoming a Bayern Munich fan. It's not for me, but uh, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't hold it against anybody. I mean, in in the end, we've all kind of blown it. All of us who didn't pick uh, uh, some a super club that is some ridiculous front runner. I mean, I guess the PSG fans blew it a little bit because they can't 
win outside of France. Though I, I, all the players show up and they just walk over every other French team. And then when it comes time to go play in Europe, uh, they have to face teams that are better than them for the first time all year, and then they lose. So maybe maybe they blew it just because they wanted to own a Jordan uh, shirt. I don't know. I don't feel that I've blown it as an Arsenal fan. I hope not. I'd be very uh, disappointed if nothing good ever happened again. But it's hard to say. I've enjoyed the three FA Cups and finishing second <laughs> when when Leicester won the league on the final day. When Spurs came third in a uh, in a two horse race, that was very fun. But it's not really the same as actually winning a league title, is it? Haven't been to the Champions League final in fourteen years. The only time they ever went. The entire thing ruined on 18 minutes when uh, Jens Lehmann got himself sent off. I don't know. Back to the point. Uh, Bundesliga. Borussia Mönchengladbach. That is the team, I think, that people are seem to be leading. That, Gladbach seemed like the cool choice. That... Uh, Bayern are an obvious no. Dortmund, everyone's second favorite. The whole world's second favorite team. You know, that's it seems a little too obvious to, to be a Dortmund fan. RB Leipzig, no, right out. Uh, people, I think, don't want to be a fan of the corporate-sponsored team, which I get. Um, it is, we you know, a team that effectively didn't exist a few years ago um you know there's in better detail than i could describe here and remembering the facts of it more specifically there are plenty of uh people if you just um google like rb leipzig finances or history something like that you'll be able to uh, look up exactly how they did what they did they bought a uh they they couldn't really just create a team so they bought one in the lower leagues um, and in, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm in too deep now. There's the, uh, uh, the, the, there's the fan ownership model in Germany where at least 51% needs to be owned by the uh, club members. I believe that's how it goes. And I think what RB Leipzig have done have made it almost like it's impossible to become a club member. So they are 51% owned by the members, but the members are basically the board members. And I think that's how they've managed to subvert that rule or it's something to that effect. So they're, they, they've cheated uh, the ownership system uh, or they've exploited loopholes in the ownership system. And now, the, but, but, what they've done in that time is they haven't gone the city or PSG route and just tried to buy their way to success that would, they have done it through really smart recruitment and really smart, uh, a, a tactical setup. 
they uh, uh, Ralph Ragnick uh, is one of the sort of uh, fathers of the the Gegen Press, and uh, he was a manager and, and supporting director there uh, for a bit. And uh, you know they they brought in uh, Jesse Marsh from uh, uh, Red Bull New York to come in and be his assistant, and who is now uh, coaching the uh, the team in Red Bull Salzburg. And again, this sort of franchise model that they have is, I mean, it sucks. It, it's it's not especially romantic as a, a just the I mean the the company names and the team name, and maybe a team like that Bayer Leverkusen or something like that. There's at least a history to it. We're like, yeah, there's a pharmaceutical company in the name of the the team, but like that they were founded out. It was guys who worked at the factory. The guy who pulled the lever to uh, press the aspirin pills. The guy who uh, 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 licked the glue on all the boxes. It was the goalkeeper. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think they ever actually licked the glue on the boxes. But the point is, like, that actually comes from, I think, uh, Wolfsburg, I think, or uh, Volkswagen employees at a point before professionalism. Professionalism didn't come to Germany until something like 1962 or 63, something like that. So RB Leipzig don't get the the pass that the other clubs that are tied to corporations do. They, But they have the best young coach on earth in Julian Nagelsmann. I don't know what exactly what you define young for a coach is, but he's, I think he's like 34 or something like that. So yes, um, they are, I mean, he is very tactically, I think the first three Bundesliga games this year, he used three different formations. Um, that there is their signatures that they have none that they, uh, can adapt to whatever is in front of them all the time. They, uh, the Nagelsmann plays a can play a defensive 4 2 4, which, if you think about it in terms of like, uh, you know, how a team sets up in FIFA, something like that, if you play a 4 2 4, you have no midfield. Uh, the way that he did it was they have uh, their front four, so sort of two strikers, two wingers who are up and basically just form a wall. So that whenever there's a goal kick or whenever the the defenders uh, find themselves in possession of the opposition, that they would basically just shut everything down. You couldn't get the ball past them. So it's sort of functioned as a, a little more static of a press. Um, so instead of exhausting yourself, running down the uh, opposing defenders, chasing down, you know, trying to force them into a mistake while feeling under uh, under pressure... He just set them up in in a way that made it so that they had nowhere to put the ball. So they forced them to, instead of actually running, it forced them to go along with the pass just because they didn't have a, a short pass to make. And similarly, that he uh, can set up with five at the back and make it an attacking five uh, five three two. You know, it's not all grease zero two thousand four uh, when you're playing five at the back. They are also extremely good at set pieces. They uh, are really good at attacking the just the, the edge of the six-yard box. Um, they get as many bodies in there as possible. 
They are really good at crossing up defenders. Um, and also from the penalty spot, I'm pretty sure this is true. I don't think they've missed a penalty this year. Um, obviously, there's been a few months off. So when they come back and immediately miss one, uh, that's just what it is. That's rust. But Gladbach, Gladbach seemed to be the fun team. Uh, they were, I think they were league leaders at a, at a point early in the season. Um, everybody, of course, you know, they, they are working with uh, some uh, constraints that the others are not. They have a, um, a, a bit less. But um, the, the club back, I think, historically are, are pretty up and down. Um, but they have always sort of had the reputation as a pretty like swashbuckling side. Um, I, I remember there was this, uh, Bundesliga flow chart where, um, uh, picking a team and the last thing before Gladbach was, do you want to experience all the highs and lows <laughs> life has to offer? Um, and, and I, and from what I know, uh, about them and what, what I've seen of them, that is absolutely true. I mean, um, for one, every like highlights package I've watched about like the best goals or like most exciting or like best touches and all that uh, of the Bundesliga this year seem to involve their goalkeeper, Jan Sommer making a terrible mistake. Um, uh, I, I, there's some video on the official Bundesliga, uh, YouTube account, that is showing the uh, it, it's uh, also as a, as a way for fan outreach. I think this is a a, a pretty fun thing. They um, were working through the Bundesliga players with the uh, highest rated weak foot in in FIFA twenty, and one was uh, uh, even Perisic of uh, of Bayern Munich, and uh, they were showing him he's he's at the edge of the eighteen yard box and he takes uh, with his back to goal. Uh, just does this turn and shot, and it uh, Summer gets a hand to it, like put a a full hand to it, hits him directly in the palm, and it still just spills over the line. And that is one of like four <laughs> things that I've seen where Jan Summer just gives up a, a bad uh, goal like that, um, which would. Uh, probably drive me insane but as i mentioned uh i'm sticking with dortmund throughout this and um if you go watch the highlights of dortmund's 3-3 uh against leipzig um i two two perhaps all three of uh, leipzig's goals are just gifts it is awful uh what they do defensively but uh gladbach uh have have some players to be excited about uh marcus taram um and uh, uh Alessandro uh Alessandro play are as good of a, a strike combination as you're gonna see uh, they uh Taram of course uh Lillian Taram's son he is uh very much uh, uh on track to become very very good uh he's 22. I think right now, um, but correctly identified by a stats bomb as uh, a, a to be breakout star back in 2017, because um, uh, that's what you get with data. They got all the numbers, but uh, yeah, he was in France. He was at the uh, Socho and, and uh, Gingamp and 
uh, managed to uh, work his way to Germany. He is, he's a big guy. I mean, he's like six, three and a half, I think. And he has phenomenal dribbling skills. Like he can, uh, there's videos of him just running at defenders and just breaking out these sort of like step overs you'd have expected to see from Ronaldo in like 2007. And he's doing it. Who's <laughs> this guy who's pushing six, four, um, so he's, he's got phenomenal footwork. He's a really good off the ball runner. Um, I mean, he, uh, he would probably have more goals if he were, uh, you know, the lone striker. Um, he plays in a two with play, um, uh, in a, in a, you know, four, three, one, two, or he plays out on the left, uh, in a four, two, three, one. Um, but I mean, there, like, there's also, uh, also on YouTube, you could find, uh, there's an assist that he has where he is out on the right and he, the, against, uh, Bayer Leverkusen and it's, he's one-on-one with Wendell, uh, Leverkusen's left back and just shakes him out of his shoes. He just, le- it just, he just falls over. Like, uh, it, it doesn't even look like, like he doesn't lunge for the ball. It looks like he just, like, it looks like he faints. He just collapses to the ground. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Thuram puts the ball in, uh, for a goal or rather, for, uh, you know, puts the, puts the pass in for a goal. So he's one to be very excited about it as well. And, um, I mean, there, there's also the, the other, uh, you know, uh, Americans, uh, in the league, which I think is the appeal for a lot of people, you know, you want to pick not necessarily your guy, but um, the having an American at a club is the reason to get interested in them and sort of follow their progress and hope that uh, the 2022 World Cup goes well uh, because the rest haven't. Some uh, we don't even get to go to. But Fabian Johnson's still at Gladbach as well. Uh, I'm not really sure how much he's been uh, contributing. But uh, still there. Uh, there is well, Weston McKenney is at Schalke. Um, Tyler Adams is at Leipzig, although he's been injured for most of the season. Zach Steffen is at Fortuna Dusseldorf, but he, I, I think he started. I, I think he started the first 17 games and then got seriously injured and then almost came back and then got injured again. So. Hasn't quite worked out for him. Uh, McKinney is interesting in that he seems to have a lot of versatility, but I don't know if he's, I don't know if there's one specific position that he's sort of locked down just yet, but it seems to be the sort of a a box to box uh, kind of midfielder. Um, I think that would be him and Adams together in a sort of. uh, as the the two deeper midfielders in a four two three one, I think would be pretty good for us going forward, especially if and there's a you know big if here that uh you know Pulisic is is locked in. Reina seems like he could be the number ten. Uh, he. Uh, uh, he also has a lot of versatility. He could uh, anywhere across a, a front three. It seems like he could play. Um, 
but he will probably grow into a 10 roll. We'll see. But uh, it would avoid a sort of Lampard-Gerrard situation where uh, both of our uh, best players play out on the left. Um, that is not the Lampard-Gerrard situation. The, the problem with them was that the two of them couldn't play next to each other in England midfield. And... Um, but trying to work in both hopefully won't be a problem. Uh, and we'll work the rest out later. But the uh, Reina, I mean, he he really seems like the one. Uh, for all of... Uh, it, it could all... Could all fall apart. But uh, have, right now, all signs point to him being really, really good. So let's let's hope that, that he continues on that path. things are available to read currently uh, a lot of them very good but this is a roundup of the, uh, my favorite things that i have read uh within the last few weeks and all of them somewhat current um uh, some are books that have been out for about 15 years but um beginning with uh the blizzard issue 36 um a fantastic article if you are not a blizzard subscriber you can do so for about 25 american dollars i think it's 20 pounds for a year-round subscription if you are someone who likes to have uh the physical copies of books um uh, it is a quarterly um it is a beautiful presentation it is on really nice quality paper um they are a little bit pricey but 
uh, if you have all of them, uh, I'm sure they would look incredible on your shelf should you have the shelf space for that. If you've got all 36 copies of the Blizzard, it probably looks beautiful on a shelf. I pay for the online subscription because I have too much trash in my house as is, and I can't filter it out to replace it with something better and nice. Um, I have too many attachments to things that I can't get rid of for reasons I can't explain, so I can't fill my house with Blizzard subscriptions. And also, I like to I like to read on an iPad. I like the backlight. If that makes me a boomer, that's, that's just what it is. I have no problems with that. But in any case, from issue 36 of The Blizzard, The Super Club from Nowhere by Alex Hess about Anzi Mahachkala. Uh, the Dagestani club that uh, uh, quickly became probably about 10 years ago, uh, maybe slightly more recent, um, uh, started spending insane money on on players for about three years and then immediately uh, went to hell, pretty much. Um, in any case, uh, the uh, choice excerpt uh, from that, but uh, when they signed Roberto Carlos... Um, the Brazilian, who was immediately installed as captain, soon made it a habit to use the halftime interval as a personal cigarette break, nipping outside while the rest of the squad gathered to listen to the manager's team talk. He turned 38 a month after joining, and Karamov threw him a party at a Moscow nightclub, where the players were greeted by a drove of mysterious beautiful women and the rapper Flo Rida, who had been jetted in to give a private performance. For the night's denouement, Karamov presented the birthday boy with the keys to a 1.8 million euro Bugatti Veyron sports car. He promptly had it shipped to Sao Paulo. So, that's how that club was being run. <laughs> it's it's I it's so good. Uh, and almost every single detail of this story is insane. And um, it, it's you could sort of assume that it all was um, based on the I, I, like just every little thing about it. It's in such a dangerous part of Russia in what is almost sort of like disputed territory. And, you know, the, the players were living in Moscow and flying just hours down there. Like, uh, by time they brought in all these, like, superstars, by the time Semel Eto was there, you know, they were all living in, in Moscow. But that is absolutely worth checking out and almost uh, worth the price of your Blizzard subscription alone. So uh, um, please go uh, become a Blizzard subscriber. You will not miss out. Also, there's a uh, Blizzard... Um, quiz every Monday afternoon. I think it's about 3.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's on Facebook. I am mulling the possibility of creating a Facebook account just for that. I deleted mine some time ago, but they could bring me back in just so I could do the Blizzard quiz and eat shit and know how little about this sport I actually know compared to the people who also in The Athletic from uh, very recently, just four days ago, from Sam Stejkal and Raphael Honigstein uh, of so many podcasts that I'm sure you listen to that are perhaps a little more coherent and informative than this one. The Rise of Giovanni Reina, uh, which, uh, where a lot of the information from the beginning of the show was sourced from, uh, as well as uh, Grant Wall's excellent piece on him from uh, a while ago. So, uh, but but this also uh, focuses, as much as uh, Grant Wall's piece in Sports Illustrated did, um, focuses on the death of Giovanni Reina's older brother, Jack, who died from complications related to the same brain tumor or the same sort of brain tumor that 
uh, John McCain and Ted Kennedy uh, had. Uh, so he died at 13, and this is uh, something that uh, typically affects men in their uh, their 60s and 70s. And um, it, it, it's sort of, you know, it, about how Reyna's success to some extent can come down to the fact that he was constantly playing against his older brother and his friends at a younger age. So he was constantly being challenged by kids older than him and had to up his game to that level. And uh, there could, and so his learning curve was sort of shortened in a way, or could be argued that that's, you know, what brought that along. And, and I think that uh, the, 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 the part of that that sort of stood out to me to just saying, uh, the pain becomes more manageable, but the grief of losing a child never goes away. There are too many holes, too many cruel, unanswerable questions about what Jack's future may have held. It's unfair to project those questions onto a sibling. Geo loved Jack. He loves Jack. But he's becoming his own man. He has his own dreams, his own problems, and his own way of handling them. He carries memories of older brother with him, but his journey is his own, not a facsimile of what Jack's might have been. Certainly, it's a part of Geo, says Claudio. Uh, of course, Claudio Reina, his father, former uh, captain of the United States national team and member of four World Cup squads. It's one of the things that I think we all know, but we don't talk about all the time. It's just what brings us together and even closer as part of uh, all these milestones that we're all going through, not just Gio, as a family, and he's with us. Gio has a tattoo that has, he's got with Jack on it, his first one. He went with his mother to go get it. He carries him everywhere. It's certainly part of the reason why he's mature as he is and because of what he's dealt with. So a very deep and heavy hitting piece about uh giovanni reina that i think uh will uh, make just about everybody a little more uh interested in uh who he is as a person not just as a player um but uh, uh but he very excited about watching uh giovanni reina's uh, career uh progress and i'm not putting all my hopes into him um because we've we've been let down before haven't we I mean, I at one point I said that Juan Agudelo was going to be the one that changed everything for us, and and that hasn't quite come true yet. Though it still may. Who knows? He was, of course, a, a storyline card on uh, on FIFA. Once you hit rank fifteen uh, this season, you could uh, get the uh, eighty-seven overall Juan Agudelo. Also, in The Athletic, and I get sorry for mentioning only paywalled content right now, but you know what? If you want uh, people who write good things, you got to pay for it. Tough. Uh, Michael Cox, uh, who you know from Zonal Marking, and uh, has so much of his work on The Guardian, has uh, started doing a column called Reconsidered, and it uh, looks back on individual performances that sort of define players. And he uh, did the first one about uh, Jack Wilshire against Barcelona in 2011. Um, this extremely, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, performance that is always an example, held up as the example of what Wilshire could have been. And this was him at his peak and how he shut down um, you know, Xavier and Iniesta and Messi and how he was the best player on the day and, that if not for all of these injuries, uh, this is probably the, the player that he could have been. And uh, I, I think it's a, a really cool sort of style uh, of, uh, of or thing to examine uh, looking at uh, any these particular performances. And uh, as, as he says in the beginning, 
um, you know, legendary displays by established world class players. Others will be once in a lifetime cameos that have nevertheless gone down in history. Um, from an Arsenal perspective, I would like to see him talk about when Emmanuel Abue came on behind the curtain, travels in Eastern European football by Jonathan Wilson, uh, of course, the editor-in-chief of the Blizzard, and uh, he's he's the best. That's just what it is. But uh, it, it is uh, a lot of stories about, um, as it suggests, um, I think the book came out in about 2005, thereabout, um, and it is uh, quite a lot of stories about uh, Eastern Europe, um, both during and after the uh, breakup of the Soviet Union, and following all of the many uh, insane things that happened there uh, throughout that time. And uh, as he points out, you know, the, the reason that he does it is um, a lot of the other you know, there, there's not a lot of uh, uncovered ground in, say, Spain or Germany, but um, there, there's quite a lot of uh, uh, coverage <laughs> to, to be had of, of the smaller Eastern European leagues. And also for his own benefit is that um, because the, just the amount of uh, uh, crime involved, um, it, you end up getting a lot more sort of uh, wild details. Um, you know, while it's very interesting to write about the best players in the world and the brilliant managers and the best crowd atmospheres, it's also when, um, you know, basically the, there's mob control <laughs> over, uh, uh, you know, when, when the, the mob is acting as uh, players' agents, you know, and like a sort of third-party ownership system, uh, the, that's pretty interesting too. Um, in any case... Uh, the uh, something the, the the one particular highlight from that for from that for me uh, though there are many um, I'm just a, a little over halfway through the book at this point um, uh, comes in at a tight uh, 305 pages uh, but uh, the uh, there the chapter about Slovenia and uh, the big argument and sort of uh, bust-ups that happened during Slovenia's trip to the uh, 2002 World Cup was um, the uh, very uh, tempestuous relationship between um, Zlatko Zavic, their best player, and uh, Srečko Katanic, their manager. And it led to, I think, the greatest non-apology of all time that came from uh, Zlatko Zavic, which is, um, we'll just read it as it's written here, but um, eventually Zalovich came around to the game against Ghana and one of the least contrite apologies imaginable. Quote, if he thinks I'm not in form, he said, he should tell me and I'd be happy to sit on the bench, but when I'm on the field, he shouldn't underestimate me. The first time I miss one or two passes, he shouldn't, and I, I won't mince words, say he will fuck my mother because he didn't fuck my mother and he won't fuck my mother. If he wants to, he can start talking to me. I'm apologizing in public to return the ball into his court. Which is, that is incredible. If Landon Donovan said that, <laughs> if, <laughs> if Landon Donovan said that about Bruce Arena, what would you, well, how would you feel? Or if, if if Wayne Rooney had said that about Fabio Capello or whatever, something something like that, can that is so good, and 
that that is one of just uh, one of the few many many very good details uh, that that have come up uh, throughout this book. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough. You can get it for a couple dollars on Amazon. You can get it uh, uh, the Kindle version for just a few bucks, delivered directly to your iPad, and you and me and all the other extremely old people can all read it with the backlight the way that we like. We've reached the self-indulgent portion of the program where I just talk about FIFA Ultimate Team for a little bit. This, I'm I'm going insane. I'm being driven insane by this game. I I used to blame the game for a lot of society's ills, mainly the the ridiculous opinions uh, about players seen on Reddit, and basically that if a player was slow, uh, he was automatically bad. Now, uh. And, and, and I'm, I'm only slightly more sympathetic to that stupid point of view now that it plagues me. That I have two, three slow central defenders who cannot catch up with anybody when I'm playing in rivals. And it, it drives me completely insane. Now, also, I, I can't get any. I can't get any. I'm having a lot of trouble uh, learning how to do anything. And it feels a little bit beneath me to type into YouTube FIFA defense how to do it. But I, I really I can't. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to uh, play a, a very, you know, sort of uh, tight, compact... Uh, counterattacking four two three one, and it's it's not working out. I just get murdered whenever I go up against anyone that has any good players. Sometimes I can get away with some things, um, but I, I don't know what to do. And I'm going to lay out my problems in hopefully not that long of uh, of amount of time. I really have no idea how long the show is run at this point. Uh, but I, I'm going to uh, explain w- what is bothering me and I'm hoping that someone can offer me some sort of solution. I don't know how other people are getting players. I don't know how people are opening packs. I don't know wh- what's going on. I'm playing Rivals a lot. I'm playing a lot of uh, squad battles. And I'm ranking up, and all I'm getting is untradeable packs because I'm uh, uh, ranking up, and all of the rewards for that are untradeable. All of the things you get by getting any of the achievements are untradeable. I have no one I can sell for any money. You see players that are going for uh, hundreds of thousands of coins. I've never had 100,000 coins. I don't know how any of this happens. In any case... I'll run through my lineup right now. 
rate me on a scale of 1 to 10. I got a uh, team of the season so far, Burns, Leno, and Cole, 88 overall, not bad. At right back, Ashraf Hakimi, gold, 82 overall, whatever. Jerome Boateng at center back, gold. Right now, generally, Daniel Rugani I have at center back. Uh, he is currently been jettisoned as my typical left back, Alexandro, has been red carded, so he has to go to the bench. Uh, Danny Rose has taken his place. So Harry Maguire slots in at center back for chemistry purposes. What I'm most proud of is my hyper-athletic, tall, uh, physically dominant uh, base of my midfield uh, storyline, Morton Torsby, and your regular gold, Axel Witzel, uh, the two of them side-by-side. Uh, really enjoy, very dynamic um, for an 86 and 85, respectively. Uh, I think they do excellent work. I packed a untradeable Sergio Busquets, uh, not conducive to the way I play whatsoever. Um, it really bothers me. Don't care for him. Get him out of here. Uh, I hope to uh, get rid of him in swaps somehow. Uh, except I'm not really good at that either because once again, I, I I don't I don't get to open any packs. I don't have any players. I don't know how it works. Midfield three uh, of the the attacking three uh, uh, storyline: uh, El Nusi, Julian Brandt in the middle, Torquen Hazard outright up top. Uh, Champions League moments, Lautaro Martinez, 87 overall. I'm struggling. Uh, I, I want to be good at the game. I don't know how to be good at the game. I don't really know what to add. This is, uh, I, I, I kind of knew the show would sort of bottom out at this point. Uh, I've kind of run out of things to say. Um, help me, help me, help me, help me. Thank you.